perfect 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 so welcome back everyone to another episode of the black create connect podcast where i speak with some of the most accomplished entrepreneurs professionals leaders as well and um today in accra i'm in west africa and i've flown all the way over and i'm here interviewing akua <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, it doesn't bother me at all. Here's the thing when people talk about names, I didn't choose my name, right? This is actually what was given to me. And I think, you know, for some people, like the name thing is a really big deal. I was born on a particular day of the week. I got a name. It's really that simple. My parents didn't put much thought into it. And with the last name as well, I was just given to me because that was you know, one part of the people who gave me their genes. Oh, I, so for me, it's, it's never been a big I, thing. I love that. And you have a, you know, you have a perfect, probably the best podcast voice oh, that you. I've ever had on the podcast. Really? Like, yes. Thank you have, you. A, you have an amazing, like I can listen to your voice all day. Thank you. A very, very nice voice. But for those that don't know, Akia Naime Mensa, she is a leadership coach, also a public speaker. Um, she's also a podcaster herself, yes. clearly. Well, <laughs> this voice came before but maybe it's a little bit refined yeah have you always podcasting. have you always spoken like this i always have sounded like this you can find video and stuff of me online yeah i always sound like this yeah. this is um it's, it's quality you can do voice voiceovers thank you and, and i actually had one person once i put together like a video for something and they were like she sounds like the woman from google maps yes you do i wasn't sure if that was a compliment or not but i was just like laugh out loud thank you no it's like, it's like, <laughs> tell, tell me to go left right and straight just just, just let me just hear how it sounds. Go left, turn right, <laughs> keep straight. I don't know, but that, that was her comment, and I was just like, "No, nope, this is this is what I sound like." I it's, it's no great. voiceover. It's great. It's great. But honestly, thank you so much for coming on. It's it's good to kind of thank you for having me. Have you in person? Yeah. Um So I guess for those that don't know who you are, give us like an overview. I know I know I gave my overview, but give your overview of who you are. Um, and then we can kind of get into your story. Yeah. So I, you know, I typically describe myself sort of as a, a former um, reluctant startup leader. Uh, so my first real job is actually launching and running an online classifieds platform for what is now known as actually Jumia. Um, and so I was just randomly recruited, randomly met somebody and he was like, you have this degree in uh, city planning, so you can definitely run a real estate classifieds portal. I thought he was crazy. Um, but I took the opportunity because it was the best paying thing I could find in Accra at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from that really just got interested in how do you bring people along? How do you build something bigger than yourself when, mm -hmm. you know, you, you maybe look the part, right? So I have the right skin color for the most part. I have the right name, but I don't necessarily sound like a lot of the people I was working with. Mm -hmm. Um, and for a lot of them as well, they felt like I didn't necessarily think the same way as well. And so just got very interested in how do you build a team, you know, in Ghana? Um, how do you motivate people appropriately? Um, how do you incentivize them appropriately as well? Because when you're building a classifieds website, the way it starts actually is by scraping other content. Mm. Um, but when I started, there wasn't really other content to scrape. Uh, so typically what you do is you find other websites that are similar. Mm. Um, so think of it as, have you heard of like Craigslist? Yes. Yes. So think of it as like a glorified Craigslist. Mm. Um, Craigslist maybe didn't start this way because I think for lots of other classified sites, they probably scraped from Craigslist. But what you 
you do is you go to other websites that exist and you pretty much just take the content without the approval of the people who technically uploaded the content. And then what you do is ask for permission afterwards. So what you do is you scrape the content. There's ways to do this. I'm not a really techie person, but there's ways to scrape the content or you can do it manually where you're literally clicking and downloading. <laughs> you upload it to your website and then you call and say, hey, um, I have this great website. Do you want to be on it? So then you do a bunch of cold calls. And so... One, I had to learn to do that because naturally I'm not the most outgoing person. I'm not the most extroverted person, even though a lot of people, because when they hear my accent and they associate Americanness with extrovertedness, mm-hmm. I'm not actually that extroverted. Mm-hmm. I had never really done sales. And so I just got very interested in figuring out how do I do a lot of these things that are new for me? And then how do I hire people, right? that have actually never done anything online and probably never transacted online and probably never had a laptop, how do I also get them to do these things as well? So in addition to trying to generate the content, so I actually had teams that would go out, take the pictures, you know, get the dimensions and all that stuff, upload it to the website, um, as well as do the calls as well. So I just got very interested in figuring out how to, how to hack that. And a huge part of that I felt was leadership and recognizing that I'm not always going to be the solution to a lot of the problems. I don't have the right accent a lot of times for some of the conversations that need to happen. I don't speak the language even to have some of the conversations that need to happen as well. So I had to get better at sort of letting go and finding people that could sort of compliment me to get those things done. That's sort of how I got started and got very interested in leadership. Ultimately, sort of long story short, I was then taken to Nigeria to take over the team that was doing something very similar there. And the people there really didn't like me and rightfully so. And so somebody there introduced me to coaching as a way to build better rapport with my team. Mm -hmm. And so this ideas or these ideas I had about leadership were sort of then like, oh, a great way to build better leadership skills is through sort of coaching. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's sort of how I was introduced to it, got really into it and actually started taking a coaching course without ever being coached myself um, and never thought I also would ever work for myself as a coach. The idea really was to use these coaching tools, skills, methodologies as a leader within a high growth startup. Um, mm. But they ended up selling the platforms I was responsible for. I needed to find something else to do. I joined another company for a short period of time. It wasn't a good fit. So decided to launch my own coaching consulting practice. And so that's yeah what I've really been doing for the last, I'm going into my fifth year right now. That was like a great introduction. Can I clap? <laughs> Hope you're all clapping at home and all this clap, clap, clapping to hear this. You sound very um, tenacious, like you're very on the ball. Um, and it sounds like you kind of, I mean, to be working for yourself for five years, I said this to you when we spoke before, yeah. is incredible, especially in today's climate when things are expensive and, um, you know, it's you know it's, it's not easy to work for yourself. So I commend you for it. Thank but you. let's go back. Let's take it back yeah. a little bit. Um, to young Akua. So where were you born? Yeah, so I was actually born in the U.S. Um, so my mom is American. My dad's Ghanaian. I was born in the U.S., but at the time, my parents were actually already living in Abidjan. Um, so my mom, you know, being an American, wanted, you know, wanted us to be born in the U.S. with her mom by her side. And so we were all, so I have two other siblings. We were all born in the U.S., but our parents were already living in Abidjan. So born in where the U.S. Abidjan, Abidjan, Cote d'Ivoire. Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast. Yeah, so okay. I grew up in Francophone, West Africa, and then actually finished high school at an American high school in Tunis in North Africa. So for the majority oh, wow. of my life, I've actually been on the African continent. I think it's only been about six years when I was in the U.S. And that's it. So you have a a very strong accent for someone that was based, like a US accent for someone that was based mainly in Africa in the upbringing. Why is that? Did you go to like American schools when you was in 
That's, that's, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's always so fascinating when, you know, people sometimes react and respond. They're like, there's no way. And I'm like, well, if you've met anybody that's gone to international schools, they sound just like me without even having an American parent. So I do uh, have one American parent, but I think with any language that you learn, yeah. you're really going to pick up the accent of whoever's teaching it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think even a great example of that beyond even teaching is that like, I have a lot of friends specifically in Sweden, they sound American. Because they watch American TV shows. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, the way in which you you pick up your accent really just depends on the environments that you're in, the people around you, and sort of where you're hearing it as well. Mm -hmm. So, when you was younger, what um, you, you seemed like you was quite shy when you was in your infant years. What was kind of your aspirations? What did you kind of gravitate towards when you were kind of growing up? Yeah, that's a really great question. I grew up, I would say, in a household that was quite creative, but also very focused on education. Both mm -hmm. my parents are, you know, highly educated. My dad has a PhD. My mom has two masters. Uh, both my parents worked in education. My mom was actually my high school principal at some point in time. So education. Whilst you were in high school, your yes, mom was education is really like was really really important to my parents, and I still love learning. Right, even with what I do now, even if it isn't necessarily from you know, a, you know, tertiary institution. I'm still learning. I'm still trying new things. Um, so, you know, I think when I was younger, what did I want to be? I'm not sure. Probably what everybody else wants to be. Probably want to be a doctor at some point. Wanted, probably wanted to be like a writer at some point. But I ended up going to school actually to be a city planner. So my first degree is in growth and structure of cities. And I actually also have a master's <laughs> in, city in city planning. planning as well. Yeah. That's so random. Yeah. Both what? my parents are actually planners. So both my uh, parents so actually have business in planning you. as well. I definitely think so. Okay. And, but I also thought that the way to really support the continent um, and actually as someone who had the opportunity to travel and live in lots of different parts of the continent was through physical development. And so I thought very similar to my father that I would work sort of in the development space. My dad worked for the Act Development Bank. And so I saw the work that he did there. It seemed like a pretty sweet lifestyle. I'm not going to lie. Um, and, you know, growing up, I, I grew up with a lot of diplomats, a lot of, you mm. know, kids whose parents work for the UN or IMF. And so that's sort of the world I knew. Mm. So going into city planning, I thought was really the way forward for the continent. But I quickly realized that one, I didn't like working in development, I had the opportunity to. And then that two, it's not just about the physical development, you can mm. give everybody the roads, you can give everybody access to the water and internet, but it's more of the mindset behind it, I think that's really going to allow anyone. Um, and I think especially those on the constant to get to the next level and really get to where they want to be. Because I think for so many of us, it's actually in our heads. It's our mindset that actually well, with city sets planning. us back. Um, so with the city planning piece, I thought it was the physical development. But now with what I do and sort of what I see, I mm. think it's more of the actual mental. Explain element. that a bit more because city planning, in, from what I know, I don't know much about it, is literally like the infrastructure. That's correct. The roads yes. and the, like, what the city looks like, yes. right? Yes. So how does that link to mindset? How, like, what's, what's the correlation? Yeah, so it technically doesn't. So what I was okay. simply sharing was that I initially thought that it was really through the physical development that I felt was the best way to support and the what I right. needed to do got sort you, of my life. You, and I've you. gotten to a point where I'm just like, nah, that's, that's not the physical that's not development. Okay, no, got you. I find it really interesting. I can have lots of conversations right, about cities. You. I love it. I read still a lot about it. But in terms of where I like to spend my time and energy, it's a lot more on, on that people. element, that people element. And there actually are some components of city planning. So, for example, my mom did more of community uh, sort of planning. And that does incorporate a lot of thinking about what does the society need and incorporating them into figuring out 
what they need from more of a physical um, mm. element because your physical place will also have an impact on how you feel yeah, yeah, emotionally. Um, I mean, specific spaces, right? Mm. Spiritual spaces specifically are mm. built in a specific way to have you be in awe mm. and show up in a way as well. So there are elements mm. of that, mm. but that's not typically what people are usually mm. keeping in mind as mm. it relates to the built environment. So as you study something that both your parents, I guess, were that did as a profession, yeah. would you say they were your main inspirations or did you have any anywhere else or anyone else that you drew inspiration from? I would probably say my parents were probably the big part because not yeah. many people necessarily know about city planning. And so the reason why I knew yeah, about it was because, no idea, yeah, because of both my parents. But I also, I actually also did like buildings. I did like physical okay. places. I also did like buildings. So it wasn't, definitely wasn't forced on me okay. um, at all. You know, my, my brother and my sister did, you know, very different things. So I think it just, I just was actually very interested in it. And even when I think back to high school and sort of the, the papers I did to be able to graduate, I did do, you know, I did one paper actually about the Ashante Hene and sort of his impact on the physical development in Kumasi. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, yeah, I, I actually, it's very interesting. I did a lot of papers and research on like the impact of leaders on societies. So mm-hmm. maybe even back then I sort of had this interest in people and how they ultimately impacted other people, but mm-hmm. we don't tend to think about it from that perspective always. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think I've always been interested in the built environment to some extent and also always been very interested in history and you know the people that have an impact on us from history as well i love that so i guess random question actually because you've lived in so many different places where's your favorite place to live apart from accra uh you know sometimes people are always really confused about me saying this but as, as an adult the other place that i lived quite a bit of time um, was actually Lagos, Nigeria, and I really enjoyed it. Really? Really loved it. Loved being there, and I thought I was going to be there a lot longer than I ended up. Yeah. Lagos? Yes. So the only reason why I, I, I question that is because you seem very um, peaceful and very calm, and I've heard that um, Lagos is very busy, like it's similar to London-ish, like the vibe of it, mm-hmm. as I've been told. So is, is that correct? Or No, I think I think Lagos can be really crazy. But I think ultimately, once again, it's just really about, you know, what other structures you're putting into place and where do you want to focus your time and energy? So when I was there, yes, I mean, it was crazy, especially when I was working full time and sort of having that commute. But, you know, there were certain decisions I made to try and make my life easier. So, for example, and this was also something that was given to us by the organization I worked for, but I had a driver, right? So... Even being in the backseat of the car, I will say there is an impact that traffic has on you that is not necessarily positive, but I could still do other things and sort of, I think, eliminating some of those pieces. And I even think being here, Mm. you know, if you do work full time and you have to drive, having to drive really can change how you show up um, Mm. when you get to work. And so for me, I think I've always been very intentional about like sort of cultivating and sort of carving out what I want for myself. Mm. Um and so, you know, for example, now, right, most of my work is at home, remote. I don't really leave the house. And that's great for me. If I had to be in traffic, I still think it would be quite anxiety and producing. Maybe not as crazy as Legos, depending on where I decided to live, but I still think it would have an impact. And so, you know, when I got to the office, I probably would be like not in a mood to even want to work. Mm-hmm. And that's something I even saw with the people who worked for me, right? right. Getting to the office, honestly, is an accomplishment, right? And I think that, you know, people would get to the office and they'd be like, okay, I've arrived. That's and it's true, right? I'm showing up. Don't matter what time no. I've got here. I mean, especially during up. the rainy season, if you yeah. have to like walk half a mile to even just get public transport, you get on a trow and you have to like fight with people to get off and on the trow and you take two different trows, it is an accomplishment to get to work. 
How can you expect people to be able to sit down and concentrate and do something? So it's it's a tough one. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. But I think the long and short of it is that I've always just been very, you know, maybe it's boundaries. I've always just very much like wanted to live in certain places and have been privileged to have opportunities to be able to do that and the resources also be able to do that. So it ends up working out for me. Got you. So, okay. So I, I really want to go into your, your leadership expertise because I feel like that's where you will shine the most, but um, not shine the most. I feel like that's where the listeners will be like, yes, I want to hear more about, about it. Before I get get into it, when did you discover that you were um, a good leader? I know you mentioned the last job you had in um, Nigeria and you, it, it didn't work out. And that's when you kind of said you've got to do coaching full time. But when did you have that moment in your mind mentally? You know, sometimes you have like a mental moment mm-hmm. before you actually physically do something. When did you mentally feel like, okay, no, actually I understand leadership really well. And this is something that I can execute and teach really well. Yeah. I, you know, I didn't think I was that great of a leader. I think it had more to do with the response and the reaction that I got from people who were working with me to be able to, you know, get people who once again, of course, look like me, but don't sound like me, you know, have never done certain things to be like, oh, I can do this and then do it pretty well. And then everybody else around you also like, oh, they're doing a pretty good job of it. There must be something about how you're showing up that's helping to create the environment for them to really shine and really be able to do what they need to do. So I think a part of it was when I was in Ghana before I went to Nigeria. And so the work I was doing, I was actually going back and forth. Mm. I just constantly was able to get my team to like really do a great job. So definitely part of it was probably the environment I was creating. And then I also think maybe I was just selecting really good individuals also to join my team as well. Mm. And then that environment just allowed them, I think, to shine. And I mean, Mm -hmm. and allowed them, some of them to shine so much that other people wanted to poach them and other people did poach them uh, to come and join their team. Mm -hmm. But then what you would see is they would poach them, they would join the other team and they weren't as successful in those other teams. So there was something about the environment that, not just me, that everybody I was working with specifically in, you know, in Ghana, that we were able just to create a really great environment for each other. And we still stay in touch. I actually got to hang out with them this weekend. Some of the right. initial core team yeah. of, of people that worked with me when I was here. So I think, you know, part of it's that, you know, I think I'm just really curious. And I, like I said, I just mm-hmm. kind of want to hack it. How do I make this work? Mm-hmm. And then I think also a part of it's just that I'm shameless. Mm-hmm. So in terms of how I also show up as a leader, and I think this is something that any good leader has to learn is you sort of model the behavior you expect of others. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that, you know, as a leader, you have to do everything that your team needs to do, but they, they hear you, but more importantly, they see what you're doing. And if the two don't match up, you're going to lose respect and it's going to be very difficult for you to bring them along mm. and to get them to do things that are bigger than them or things that they've never done before. Mm. So to answer your question more directly, I think it just came from other people telling me that I was doing a good job or that there was something right that I must have been doing. And so when I went to Nigeria, it was a really interesting lesson on how to inherit somebody else's team. Mm. So in Ghana, I established these guys, mm. right? So I brought them all on. So they mm. were loyal to me in a very different way. Mm. And so if I acted a fool, they probably would still somewhat be loyal to me because I brought mm. them all on. When I went to Nigeria, I inherited somebody else's team. And the first thing I was asked to do was actually reduce the headcount as well. So you had to then... So there was a lot of things going against me, right? So not only, you know, I was not Nigerian. I sound the way I do. You know, I show up the way I do, right? Which in many people's minds is not necessarily typical professional West Africa approach. 
Um, you know, I was also brought in at a time where I was actually supposed to do something that was very difficult as well. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that people sort of had that reaction mm-hmm. to me at all. But it also showed, showed me that I was capable of making really tough decisions, having to deal with a lot of sort of strife and a lot of, you know, conflicting and different ideas of, of how I should show up and also what needs to be done as well, which I think was quite interesting. If anything, that experience I had when I was working at this organization was from I got to launch a business, I got to kind of grow it, I got to inherit a business, mm-hmm. and then off, you know, ultimately we got to offload it because mm-hmm. we had competitors that ended up actually buying the content from our platforms, which meant that, you know, we technically sort of folded and sort of ended up, you know, closing yeah. down. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And so I guess from your um, experience then, where have you seen great leadership demonstrated? And this doesn't have to be directly in your life. It could be something that you've seen like on a public level. Where have you seen like really great examples that are really noteworthy? Yeah, I think that leadership starts with from within. Um, and even when I think about, you know, what I teach, though I teach this three step process, the first step is really around sort of cultivating your self awareness and recognizing that you show up differently from other people. Mm. And that's fine. But just being able to, to recognize that, you know, figure out the words, right? Learn the words to actually be able to communicate that to others. I think that's the first step. And I think that that, that self leadership piece is, is very, very important. And so I think. You know, honestly, maybe it just really comes from. I'm thinking about my parents, honestly. Here, think, oh, they're, really? Yeah, they're the leaders. That you I, choose- I think, yeah. So it's not necessarily about leading others, but I think it starts with leading, leading yourself. And yeah. so one of the things that comes to mind as you ask that question is, I think of my mom. And so my mom is this American woman, you know, African American woman. Um, didn't know anything about Africa. Ended up coming to Africa to hang out with my dad. They weren't even married at the time, and you know, ends up married to this guy and like living in a part of the world that she's not from. But my mom, I think, has had an amazing career working at international schools. And I think that it's through the fact that she knows herself and is, you know, and a part of knowing yourself is also being aware of where are you willing to adapt? Mm -hmm. Where are you willing to be flexible? And then where are you, where do you have your boundaries? And I think my mom is a really great example in some ways of knowing how to adapt, knowing how to be flexible, also knowing her boundaries in some ways. And I also think I've learned a lot from her about what I wouldn't do, especially in terms of my health and, and sort of, I have a lot of boundaries around my health, you know, what I eat and things like really? that. A bit are, are, you, are you vegetarian? I'm not vegetarian, but just in terms of making sure I have enough space and time for myself, right. resting a little bit more. My mom is notorious and I'm sure she'd be the first to say like, you know, she could probably do a little bit better in putting boundaries there. So there's definitely things I've learned even from her about what, what, you know, you can do differently. But I mean, she's a leader, like, you know, like right. I said, because she, 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 leads she really life. has, she leads her own life. And mm. then she also has in terms of, you know, this career that she's had within education has gone from being a, you know, I think when she first started, she was technically a teacher. And then she, you know, ended up actually starting a, a preschool at the school I went mm-hmm. to when I was in Abidjan. And, you know, my, my, I went to the preschool, I believe my brother did, my sister did. So she technically started it kind of for us. Mm-hmm. But, you know, being an administrator for a preschool, mm-hmm. moving into guidance counseling, mm-hmm. being a middle school principal, mm-hmm. she was my high school principal. And now my mom is you no know, head of directors of schools as well. No. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So she was also the director of a school that I went to as well. So she kind of, she went back to a country that we used to live in and ended up being a director of the school that, you know, I also went to as well. So she also has had this really interesting, I think, leadership journey as well, as okay. well as being someone I think that leads herself, I think, quite interestingly, in spaces she's not from, right? Which I, I think 
is always very admirable. And I, you know, yeah. as someone who's a, you know, a third culture kid, so parents from two different places and has lived primarily in places she's not from, that's something I think that always speaks to me. And so when I see other people who've had the opportunity to lead lives like that, I think it's incredible. And I think it's really courageous as well. It definitely, I, I feel like there's a, an important point that you mentioned around your mum being able to lead individuals from different places that she mm-hmm. hasn't been and, and been in. And I think that's so, di- that is so difficult. It's difficult to lead in general. Um, but when you're trying to communicate and influence and win people over that are not from the same background as you, you don't have the same understanding, really, you, you know, you have different ways of approaching things, communication methods that can be challenging. And she must be, I assume she's really humble because there has to be some type of level, I think, of humility to be like, okay, this way isn't going to work for this type of person. Let me switch up for them. It seems like she might be no, humble. Definitely. And yeah. beyond that, right? Different countries as well, right? So she's primarily been in Francophone countries and now she's finally working in Ghana. So her first time working in an Anglophone African country, right? So she really, it's very interesting having conversations with her where she's like, okay, I can't do what I did in Abidjan. Like it has to be a little bit different. That's amazing. And even beyond that, right? My mom also worked at a school during, you know, during, um, not COVID, but during, um, so in Cote d'Ivoire, we had, you know, several coup d'etats. So she was working at, you know, administration during, uh, you know, political strife. She's done, you know. What does that mean? Sorry, you you said a word that. So like uh, overthrow the government. Uh, so okay. they literally, like, politically, you know, politically, economically, like, this whole, you know, sort of blew up. Um, and so that's why we actually were, were evacuated at a certain point in time. And so she's also worked at, you know, a school where they're dealing with those sorts of issues as well. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, how do you keep the community together um, when, you know, they have to go remote? So my mom also worked at a school before, you know, people were doing the other type of remote work because of the pandemic. They were doing remote because it wasn't safe to be there, but they needed to finish out the school year, right? So things oh, like wow. that. What country yeah. was this in? So that was, so that was also in Abidjan. So she went back to Abidjan after. Oh, wow. Yeah, after I was graduated so, from Tunis. And that's the thing. When, when you live in different places, you, you learn so much about what's happening in the world. I feel like people usually get wrapped up in what's happening in their world day, day to day. Had no idea that this was even a thing at all. So that's interesting. So I guess going on to, I guess your leadership skills, your coaching skills. Um, first of all, do you think anyone and everyone has the power and influence to be a leader or do you think it's specific people i think everyone can and like i said before it starts with leading yourself right because ultimately people are watching what you do in addition to what you say so yeah i think anyone can definitely be a leader but most importantly i think that leaders are made they're not born right i think that for some people they feel like oh there's specific ways in which you have to show up to be a leader and i don't think that's true so for today you know today for example i had some calls earlier with a client. And one of the things that we're doing is sort of talking about what their leadership profile 2.0 looks like. And one of the things that was really interesting was that from their perspective, they didn't feel like they were an inspiring leader. But the nice thing about the type of work I do is that we are always trying to get different perspectives. And so the people beneath him see him as an inspiring leader, right? And so he he had this idea that he had to be like Steve Jobs, be very visionary, be all out there in order to be an inspiring leader. But his team thought he was fine the way he was. So everyone definitely has different perspectives. Everyone shows up differently. And so the key is to always engage, right? To always take the time to learn about the environment that you're in and the people that you're in Mm. to really see how you're showing up and potentially Mm. coming in across. Because it's going to look different in different contexts and in different Mm. environments. What other other tips would you kind of share to individuals that are trying to emerge into leadership positions that are struggling at the moment? What, What type of things would you share? I would say the first thing, and for some people, this might be counterintuitive, but the first thing is to take care of yourself because confidence comes from within. If you don't feel comfortable yourself emotionally, 
mentally, mm. physically, right? If you're not taking care of yourself, it's really hard to project, right? It's really hard to connect with others. Mm. And it's really hard to be able to show up, especially mm-hmm. when the time gets, you know, when yeah, things yeah. get tough. Mm-hmm. So I'd say take care of yourself first. So it's really first, I think the first step is about building boundaries with yourself around time. And so I spend a lot of time talking about how people, you know, use their energy, what their schedule looks like. And I think that's really the first step. And so if you're able to create the space, one, to continue to cultivate your self-awareness, so that could look like asking for feedback. That could be mm. taking the time to reflect. And actually, I was on a call, another call. Sorry, three calls this morning. I was on another call. And the key takeaway for this call was I need to create time to reflect. Because mm. it's only through reflecting where you can be strategic, right? And think about what's that next step. And then what are the things I need to do to actually create the time and space mm. for that next step? Mm. But if you're not creating space for it, what you're going to end up on is just running, running, running and doing, 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 right? Mm. And so that's that's really the first thing, I think. Taking care of yourself and creating space to really be that strategic or inspiring leader or learn the skills you want to learn. But if you don't create the space for it or you don't have the energy for it, like nothing, nothing's going to change and nothing's going to happen. Okay, so question, right? We have we have a person. Let's, for the sake of the podcast, call her Alicia, um, and she has <laughs> and she has a busy schedule. Her week is packed, is full. She has so many things to do. There's no time for self. How do you go through that process of elimination? How do you prioritize and say, okay, this needs to go, that needs to go, that needs to stay? What does that decision making process look like? It's going to look a little bit different for everybody because we're all in different seasons of our life. And it's also to depend on what your work is and the type of organization you work for, right? That's that's also going to be a, a big piece as well, right? Because mm-hmm. we do spend the majority of our time working right now, right? Mm-hmm. In this age, this season that probably you're in, and most of us listening to this are probably in. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I think to keep in mind, and this is going to maybe sound a little tough for some people, um, mm-hmm. and you might even say I'm a bit privileged to say this, yeah. but as someone who's done, you know, work with some really interesting organizations, like I think more organizations, more organizations, <laughs> <laughs> more organizations are recognizing the importance of self and how it's really important for many of us to be able to see the impact that we're having as well. So I would say the first thing is to sort of check in and do an audit of the organization you're working for and, you know, think about what are their values? Um, you know, do they align? Right. And, and, and it's a tough question or a tough conversation to have with yourself, but you might get to a point where it's like, okay, first and foremost, the things I'm doing within this organization don't really align with me. Don't really make me feel good. Right. And so I just, I feel busy, but it's busy without really any, there's, there's, there's nothing there's there no really result. for me. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think the first thing is to just really get clear on and do an audit of where you're spending the majority of your time. And mm. it's probably at work. Mm. And so what is it that you're really doing mm. a part of it? And it's going to depend on where you are within that organization. Right. Um, might be, hey, is there someone I can have a conversation with to make sure where I'm spending my time and energy, mm-hmm. right, really does, you know, make me feel good, right? Mm-hmm. And I know that's a, for some of us, we're going to be working in spaces where that's maybe not possible. And that's mm-hmm. fine, right? We're not going to like everything that we, what we, you know, we're not going to like everything we do. Mm-hmm. But depending on where you are in your career, if that's a conversation that you can have, I'd recommend that, mm-hmm. right? And if you're starting to see you know, you've had those conversations with yourself, you've had the conversations with the powers that be, and you really want to think a little bit more intentionally about where your time and energy is going. Mm-hmm. A part of it might also be like, hey, having a conversation with once again, if it needs to be the powers that be like, 
you know, with all these meetings I need to be in and things I need to do, which are really the most important, right? Which are really going to drive the needle. And for some companies, it might be along the lines of what are your KPIs? What are your OKRs? And are the things I'm doing really allowing me to achieve those? And what I find with a lot of the clients I have, it, it's not even close, right? right? I, you know, I had one client and so she's, she's a VP, so she's very high up. So she has the ability to actually choose those OKRs, right? They call right. it something else, but she has the opportunity to choose those big goals. And so we worked very intentionally to work backwards to be like, Hey, this particular goal that this organization says they want that's meant to be done with this depart within this department is not even something that you can have a true impact on because you have to work through others to get that done. So that can be an overarching goal, but recognizing that in terms of the things that you can actually do day to day, and I'll get more specific in a second, is not going to impact that. It's not going to have any impact on that. So making it, you know, talking about this as a goal, I mean, that's great, but it's it's a lot more complicated. Mm -hmm. So a really quick example of that would be something like if you have, you know, if you're within a department and specifically I'm thinking more of like DEI, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times I think that people involved in DEI are more of, and this is going to sound, I mean... They're more of consultants more than anything in some organizations. Mm -hmm. So they actually can't have a direct impact. They have to work through others to have an impact. So when you're coming up with KPIs for, you know, it's going to depend on an organization, but I'm thinking of the particular example of, of my client, you know, if you can't have a direct impact, you have to work through others. The goal for you can't be, you know, it has to be more of working through others, maybe. So it's how many, you know, individuals uh, within the organization, you're able to have certain types of conversations with, and that's going to drive then a certain, you know, a difference in recruitment. But ultimately, because you're not the recruiter, right? You're not, you know, you're not that part of HR, you know, that can't be your KPI, right? So it's also about sometimes making sure you're assigning the goals in the right place. And then also making sure that you're selecting things, right, that you can actually impact. Right? That makes I so hope, much sense. I hope that's helpful. No, I can share a different example. No, it, yeah. it, it makes sense because I'm I'm a DEI consultant as well. So, I'm I'm as you're speaking, I I relate completely. I think to myself, actually, yeah, when I'm speaking to clients and I'm saying these are the things you need to implement. If they don't do it, then nothing's really going to happen. I can only advise them and, and, and yeah, hopefully I can influence them to, to make the changes. So that makes, it makes sense. I guess just out of interest, have you worked with, um, someone that you feel like wasn't ready? So yes, everyone has the potential to be a leader, but are there things that make you say, do you know what? Right now you're not ready. I know you might say you haven't worked on themselves, but is there anything else that you would say, do you know what? Right now isn't the right time for you to step into leadership? Because I think everyone wants to be a leader, realistically. So timing, when does someone know it's the right time and when it's not the right time? Oh yeah. No, I don't, I don't think there's ever, there, I don't think there's ever a wrong time to be a leader. Really? To be honest. Yeah. Because what okay. came to mind when you were asking that question was like, oh, is there a wrong time to get coaching? I say, yes, there's a wrong time to get coaching, uh, but maybe not a wrong time to be a leader. No. Really? Because I think that at any point in time, you can have an impact on others, whether or not okay. you're aware of it, whether yeah, you're yeah. conscious of okay. it. Um, I mean, you can go into a meeting and roll your eyes and that can have an impact on somebody. Right, right? Right, right. So no, I don't, I don't think there's ever a point where you know, you, you not, you shouldn't necessarily be a leader, but I do think it's important to recognize when maybe you need to take a step back mm-hmm. or you need to bring somebody else forward to be involved in something. Right. Mm-hmm. So I sort of alluded to this before, but one of the biggest lessons I learned when I was working between Ghana and Nigeria was that I wasn't always the best person for the job. 
and that I had people on my team, luckily, that I either had recruited or had somehow found me or already there that I could bring in and would do a much better job than I ever could. And so being able to humble yourself to recognize that, that I think is a key leadership skill. And maybe that's not something everybody is ready to do, especially straight off the bat, because they feel like the way to be the leader is to be the only one maybe who's sharing or the one who's at the front always and things like that. That's interesting because even when I look at the dynamics of relationships and people always say to, well, my, my family's always said the women are the leaders. And I'm like, how? Like, how are the women leaders? Are the men, are the men not the leaders? Um, but I guess it's the fact that they may influence or may be able to, to step back and be like, it's okay. That's still leading. Yeah. yeah to be able to be like, I can this. take a seat back. Somebody else can do this. Yeah. I think that's still leading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when you know that that's their strong point.